Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest on the podcast is the lovely Alicia West, who is the Nutrition Program Manager at Oz Harvest. And I'm so excited for this episode because what an incredible company to work for at Oz Harvest and what an amazing role being in the national role as a Nutrition Program Manager. So I'm really excited. Thank you so much for being here, Alicia, and I can't wait to dive in. No worries. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. To get started, let's talk a little bit about how you got interested in the nutrition space to begin with. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in a Greek Australian family. So food was always on the table, really passionate. From the age of four, I was sitting up on my Yaya's kitchen bench cooking with her and just had a love of food. Um, And so I think that was something that stuck with me. But then in school, we had a person come in and share with us about poverty and about hunger and food insecurity. And having grown up with food and abundance and then hearing about people not um, having that same upbringing that I had, I really realised the privileged position that I was in and really wanted to do more in that space. At that age, not really knowing about the field of nutrition or anything, but just knowing that I needed to do something. Um, And then in high school, I did want to be a dietitian, but I also wanted to be a teacher and wasn't really sure. I ended up actually going in and studying health education and um, sociology where I looked at the food system um, and, yeah, went in a very different kind of track, Um, went into research and food insecurity and that kind of thing, and then shifted into a grad diploma in nutrition and then a master's um, in nutrition from there. So went the weird way into nutrition, but always had that passion for food at the heart of it and that wanting to help people to have food on the table, but for that to be nutritious and beneficial for their health and well-being. Yeah, incredible. And you've kind of fused the two things you were interested in together. Like you were interested in the nutrition, you're interested in the education, and now you're leading an education program. So that's worked out really well. (laughs) It certainly has. I feel very happy to be in my role where I get to teach and do nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. And so tell us a little bit about how your career evolved. Did you go straight into working at Oz Harvest from when you graduated or were there a few stepping stones in between? Yeah, so um, after I finished my honours degree, I then started working in research at that time. And when I was doing that, it was more in a food waste uh, research position. And on my way to work one day, I saw a yellow van on the road and it said food rescue and Oz Harvest. And being a researcher and kind of being inquisitive, I was like, I'm going to look that up. So I did, I went online and I had a look and I found out about Oz Harvest and that it was a leading Australian food rescue organisation. And so I started volunteering from them and I got involved in their NEST program. And yeah, from there I was offered a job. Yeah, that's incredible. Mm. So when you did start volunteering, what were you doing with the company? 
Yeah, so I was volunteering. I basically did uh, everything. So from going on the road with the drivers and picking up the food from supermarkets, restaurants, cafes, and then delivering that to charitable agencies. Yeah. to being a volunteer within the Nest program. So um, cooking with people and working with them. And then also just doing the basic kind of data entry side of things in the office as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, a nice range, a great way to see everything involved. Yes, yeah, very much so. Yeah, that's great. When you got offered the job, was it the position you're in now? Uh, no. So I started as a nest coordinator yeah. in um, in Melbourne. Um, and so that was a good uh, four years ago. Um, and when nest started, when I was in that role, it was a very basic cooking program. So nest started at Oz Harvest because um, they were delivering food to different organisations and charities and people that were receiving the food actually weren't sure how to utilise a lot of that uh, produce that they were getting. So they were getting like a glut of eggplant, for example, and then yeah. that not being something that people would use. So Nest started from that um, oh. and then it's kind of developed and grown. So I started just coordinating that program and then I did actually pitch to our manager along with another colleague that this program needed to redevelop that there was a lot more work that had happened in the nutrition and public health space and so i progressed from that to becoming the national kind of program officer and redevelop the program and then from there last year was promoted to the national program manager to lead the program forward so yeah, yeah. that's fantastic so obviously it's all about education. Tell us a little bit about what that looks like. Is it in-person classes or um, sort of online resources or what does NEST actually look like? Yeah, so I probably should let you know what NEST stands for. NEST is our nutrition education and skills training program. And it's all about nice, easy, simple tips around healthy eating and cooking on a budget. Yeah. And so... It's developed into a six-week public health nutrition education program. So our NEST coordinators go out to various charitable agencies and organisations with their equipment, all the food and ingredients, all the education materials, um, and then they deliver the program at the same time, same place, each week for six weeks. Um, within the sessions each run for about two and a half hours we start with um, interactive games and activities around the theme for that week we then cook together as a group and then we sit down and enjoy the meal so it's got those beautiful social interactions and over the six weeks people learn about nutrition but also those practical food literacy skills and they form relationships with people too um, friendships and things like that across the program I love that. That's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine the people find it quite beneficial. Like have you got a lot of great feedback about it? We do. Yes. Um, lots of qualitative feedback of people that, you know, haven't ever cooked before that have had this new world open up to them of food. Others that have been very socially isolated and coming to the program, they've met other people to interact and engage with. Um, and then we've also done quantitative research in the program too, where we've been able to actually measure improvements in people's cooking confidence and their nutrition um, intake. So, yeah. Yeah. Does that make the researcher in you so happy? <laughs> 
so happy. It was one of the things that before the NEST program got redeveloped, we didn't um, evaluate the program at all. And so being able to put that all in place and then have really good results was, yeah, a big win. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you were redeveloping it, what did that look like? Um, and what was involved in that process? Because I imagine coming up with a new program and really optimizing that wouldn't be an easy task. So how did no. you go about it? Yeah, I should mention I definitely didn't do it alone. We had a great little team of um, nutritionists and dietitians and volunteers and students as well that were involved with it. Um, and essentially, we started with community consultation. So we went back to past NEST participants, past NEST agencies, ones that had never experienced before. We worked with key industry leaders as well and, and Deakin University too. Um, and yeah, we consulted with all of them to find out the strengths of the program, the weaknesses of its existing one and what would be important in the future. And there was also a big research piece in there with lots of literature reviews and understanding the current field. Um, and then from that approach, we collected all that data we worked with Deakin University um, to develop all the different new modules based on the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating. And, um, and also there was a behaviour change component that we embedded in the program too. So social cognitive theory and that was quite a process with lots of students involved in doing some projects because being a non-for-profit funding is tough. So trying to do a big redevelopment with minimal funds and resources was a challenge. Um, and then from that point, we moved into the piloting phase where we delivered quite a few programs across um, various states. Yeah. There was then an evaluation process and then, yeah, the kind of national rollout from there. Yeah, wow. That would have been so amazing seeing it all come together. It was a big learning curve. I learned a lot through the process. Um, and yeah, really great to be at this point now. Yeah. How long would you say roughly it took from start to finish of that redevelopment? Um, two and a half years, I would wow. say it took in the end. I think we wanted it to be sooner. COVID did throw a bit of a spanner in the works in the official relaunch. So things have taken a little bit longer. Um, but yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> That's even more satisfying, I suppose, after so much long, hard work seeing that come together yeah that's incredible and to know that you're benefiting so many people in such a positive way it's a really fantastic thing to have been working on so how long have you been at Oz Harvest All Up then? Since volunteering seven years and then four years as an employee. Incredible that is so cool and speaking of volunteers is the NEST program mostly run by volunteers or are there people who facilitate it and then it's just um, volunteers as helpers? Yeah, so we have NEST coordinators in each location of Oz Harvest that lead and coordinate the program, but then volunteers are critical. Um, they lead a lot of the small nutrition activities within the program, assist with the setup and pack up, and then also the cooking practical activities too. So it's a fun um, and engaging way to volunteer. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a large team of volunteers? Yeah, across the country, um, we have quite a lot here in Victoria. I think I've got about 30 active NEST volunteers um, and in different states, it's probably around the same, but we're always looking for more people that are interested. 
Yeah, beautiful. And if anyone is interested, how would they go about volunteering at Oz Harvest? Yeah, so the best thing to do is to jump onto Oz Harvest's website and go to the volunteering section. From there, there's a form that you can fill out and you can express your interest in Nest specifically. Yeah, amazing. And do you think that would be something beneficial for fellow nutritionists and dietitians to do, like either while they're studying or just for a fun thing to do alongside work? Very much so. I mean, I started as a volunteer and then was able to get a position like this. So the skills and experience that you learn um, through volunteering look so good in a resume, but also um, working with people and engaging with people that you know don't have cooking skills or don't have a lot of nutrition knowledge, being able to, within when you're cooking with people and volunteering, you get to practice explaining different things and that can really help to build confidence as a nutritionist or dietitian. Yeah, absolutely. And do you guys have a lot of dietitians and nutritionists on the team? Uh, within uh, employed or as yeah, volunteers? Yeah, we have a very small team. Um, so myself and then we have three other dietitians in our other states that work with us. We're actually currently recruiting in Sydney for a new nest coordinator. So awesome. um, to fill that space but in Oz Harvest as a whole we have other few nutritionists and dietitians that work with us in our other education programs too yeah so there's probably eight I think all together yeah nice it would be such a cool job for a nutritionist and like yourself to be in like yeah so rewarding yeah, yeah very much is <laughs> so what would you say the day-to-day of your role looks like yeah um Having moved from a coordinator to a management position, it's changed quite a bit. I don't do a lot of that front-facing education, which I do miss a little bit. Um, But my day-to-day is there's funding requirements that I'll look at and grant applications that I work with our team and do. So looking at that funding component of the program, um, I lead my team and I'm ensuring that we're constantly um, giving them professional development opportunities and meetings to boost their Um, ability to coordinate programs well so that's another core part Um, there's the evaluation part of the program too that I will monitor and continue with Um, and then there's also just looking at future opportunities for the NEST program too so um, a lot of stakeholder engagement with councils government um, organizations like Nutrition Australia and health promotion places like Vic Health um, So having those meetings and looking at networking opportunities to support and promote the program, but also to fund it too, um, is a core part of my role now. But then also at some times, like yesterday, I was delivering a Nest video of education to parents in the central coast of New South Wales. So there's fun opportunities like that too in my role, which are great. Yeah, and how would that compare to the coordinator role that you had earlier? What were some of the day-to-day tasks in that role? Yeah, so the coordinator role is um, working and connecting with agencies, first and foremost, that are interested in delivering the program, going out and doing a site visit to ensure that they... um, know have the right space and facilities for that to find out more about the target audience and the demographic that we'll be working with there's the shopping for ingredients and also we use rescued food so collecting all of that and preparing all the materials Um, there's coordinating the volunteers and engaging and training them and then there's 
the delivery and the facilitation of the program and um, yeah and then evaluation too is part of that at the end. Yeah they both sound like such interesting roles and so many cool diverse things within that. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. What would you say are some of the skills needed both for, let's start with the coordinator role and now with your current role overseeing it all? Yeah. So key skills, obviously, um, teaching ability is really important. Being able to translate nutrition knowledge that we've all gained in our education um, at university into really simple, concise, easy to understand content and then also ensuring that there's a practical element to that of how people can apply that within their own eating habits and things like that and goal setting. Yep. Um, other skills are, I guess, having a lot of empathy and the ability to work with people from vulnerable backgrounds. We work with people with, you know, that are seeking asylum, that have experienced homelessness, that have had you know, mental health um, issues or experienced abuse. Um, so, having an ability to be strong but also empathetic in those situations and um, yeah, to be able to build rapport with people is something that I always look for in new coordinators. Um, and then being really good at cooking. I think it's one of the things that having new graduates and, and things coming through the program so often you find that they don't have any cooking skills. I'm like, how can you, um, yeah, love nutrition and not put that into practical applications? So, yeah, holding a knife properly and just kind of having that passion for cooking is really important too. Yeah, definitely. I love cooking personally and yeah I'm the same I know we didn't really learn it in uni and I kind of yeah. wish they would add that because it's it is such an important part of what we do and being able to tell people how to put our knowledge into practice giving mm -hmm. them like that yeah transferable cooking skills is also really important yeah it, it very much is I think people will make decisions with food not with nutrients so it's really critical yeah, absolutely. And how about in your current role? What are some of the skills that you use in your day to day and are important for what you currently do? Yeah, my research skills have been really important in terms of um, evaluating the program and being able to put reports together for our funders and um, and for our key stakeholders. Yeah. Um, management and leadership skills are things that I'm still learning and adopting with, but um, being able to strategize and make plans for the future of NEST to be able to cr critically think about where I want to take NEST for the future, but how also all the little processes and steps to get there are really important. Yeah. Um, and then teaching still plays a big part too. So working with my coordinators to teach them to deliver the program well and to evaluate how they're going with that is another really important part. And so communication skills probably plays a really key part in all of that too, both written and um, verbal. Yeah, definitely. Communication is so important. And what would you say to someone who's considering which career pathway to go down? I would say to make sure that you find something that you've got passion for, something that really drives you, um, be that, you know, maternal health, be that working with children, be that, 
you know, focusing on research around a specific nutrient, ensure that it's something that you feel satisfaction with and that you want to strive to do the be the best in. Um, and then, yeah, it'll carry you through the big, the tough days and the good days. Yeah, 100%. And when you graduated, did you have any idea that you would end up in the position that you currently are? Like, did you sort of know what you wanted to do? Or were you just going out seeing and experimenting and finding what you loved? Um, yeah, I think I was just experimenting and finding what I loved. I had that core need to want to help people experiencing food insecurity yeah. um, and a passion for teaching, but I had no idea that it would lead me to this. Yeah, that's cool how it has though. It's like the perfect mm. role, isn't it? <laughs> it does feel that way, yeah. It's yeah. tough at times, but all in all, because there's that drive and passion that gets you through. Yeah. Amazing. So you mentioned a little bit before about looking at the vision and where you want to take Nest. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, where would you, what is your vision for Nest? Yeah. So um, the COVID, COVID has been a really good time for creativity. So we did have to pause all of the um, face-to-face programs and we've ended up going on Facebook. Um, for our delivery and so have really done a lot more engagement with social media um, and really changing the way that we deliver nutrition education. Um, We are in the process of going back to the face-to-face but something that it has raised for me is what could we look at for the future in, in growing the reach of the program into regional and rural locations because we've had that experience of being away from everybody with COVID, um, I'd like to look at tech solutions of how we could still deliver a program without having to travel out to distant locations. So that's something that I'm looking at at the moment um, for the program. Yeah, the perfect time to take things online. (laughs) Yeah, we are also currently looking at a mental health module because there's been such wonderful research in um, food and mood. And so that's another um, plan for the Nest in the future too. Yeah, amazing. And with Nest, is that, um, do people pay for that or is it just given as like a free thing that people can come along to? And how do you go about um, advertising it and getting people to come along? Yeah, so it depends on each location. In some regions, we have funding from the government or from different philanthropic groups. Um, And so we're able to deliver the programs for free to agencies. Um, In other circumstances, the agencies or organisations will pay for the program, but participants don't. It's completely free to anyone that wants to attend the program and it will always be that way. Yeah, that's fantastic, especially because the people who need this often are the ones who can't afford to pay for it. So it's exactly. a beautiful thing to be offering. Yeah. And how do you go about finding people to come along to the classes? Do you guys have um, particular methods of advertising them? Yeah, so um, we leave that predominantly with the organisations and agencies that we work with. We provide them with flyers um, to help promote the program. Yeah. Um And, yeah, that's pretty much all we've needed to do. Word of mouth has kind of gotten out a little bit about the program and people will come along. Yeah, that's fantastic. And do the agencies approach you or do you approach the agencies or a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both. Um, Yeah, we do some promotion on our Facebook groups. We'll often do a a drop to different agencies um, with the drivers on their food rescue runs. 
Um, yeah, we take a few different approaches, but a lot of the time we just have agencies contacting us through our website, which is great. Yeah, amazing. That's really good. Um, and what would you say you attribute your success to so far? Oh, lots of people, I would say, teaching and supporting me and, and guiding me and helping, yeah, encouraging me and I guess mentoring me as well. I couldn't say that there's something specific that I've done. I think I've just had a passion and a drive and have surrounded myself by a wonderful and supportive network of people and mentors that have helped to guide and, and grow me and point out my faults too. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Having a support network can make such a difference. Do you have any advice for people who do want to sort of build up that support network and build up those connections? Yeah, I think um, volunteering with like-minded people is a really good way of meeting um, and networking with more people that eventually maybe you can find a mentor within that space. But I think also just LinkedIn can be a really great way of connecting with like-minded people within your space and not to be afraid to ask someone to be a mentor for you if they're working in the space that you want to be in. Um, I was lucky to do that and a a wonderful mentor who's coached me um, into this role. So, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. It would be so nice having someone who has had that experience and is sort of that step ahead but able to help you because they know where you've been. So it's like it's very relatable and yeah practical advice I love it yeah (laughs) and do you do any mentoring yourself I do yes so with my coordinators themselves but also um, with volunteers that really take an interest in the program I like to take them yeah under my wing and, and mentor them be a reference for them support them and check through their CVs and cover letters when they're applying for roles and yeah I really like to give back Um, yeah I think that's really nice and you can tell because even the company you work for is such like a a company that gives back and is really helping people so yeah you're certainly that type of person that would work within the company thank you um so what does success mean to you we spoke a little bit about success and what you've attributed it to today but um what does success actually mean for you Hmm, success Oh, I don't know if I love the word success. I think it can mean a lot of different things. I think success for me means waking up in the morning, being happy with what I'm doing for that day, feeling that sense of achievement of meeting my goals um, in the work that I'm doing. I think it also, it's, yeah, meeting KPIs and targets and things like that can be part of success in program delivery. But I think it's also having satisfaction that, in some small way, I've been able to help benefit other people's lives um, to become healthier, to, you know, feel more engaged with other people. To me, yeah, it's very, success to me is very based on other people and their fulfilment. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And you mentioned a little bit before about how um, when you're, you were speaking about how your network is what you attribute the success to and having those connections and those people and relationships. Um, and one thing you mentioned was them um, critiquing you as well. So what would you say is the importance of getting that positive feedback, but also the things that you can improve on and things that you can look at to keep improving yourself? Yeah, the importance of that critical feedback. I think it's central to growth. If you don't know that you are, 
you know, not doing the best job that you could do. How do you grow and succeed? So it can be hard and tough to hear sometimes, yeah. um, but it's the only way that you can constantly get better. And I am a bit of a perfectionist, so I do ask people for some critical feedback to try and improve. Yeah, I love that you said that because so often we can be scared of getting that criticism or um, being told, oh, you could have done this better, but you're exactly right. It is how we grow. It is how we improve and it is so beneficial. And yeah, it's not something to be scared of. So I'm glad you've shed light on that too. Um, and what would you say is a, a bit of a mindset shift that is necessary for nutritionists and natural health professionals to be successful in this field? I think... Um Having come from a health education and sociology background and then into nutrition, yeah. I think what I've seen with other nutritionists and dietitians that I've worked with is I think so often we can, and I'm not saying this for everybody, but there can be a focus to be very much on the individual um, or group-based um, educational focus. And that is a part of the role that we do in certain areas. But I think that systems thinking around the food system and food environments um, and shifting the fact that even if you are working with individual clients, having that understanding of all the other factors that impact why they you know, have the dietary habits that they have, um, why they can't or don't feel like they can achieve the goals that they want to set. Um, so understanding the food environment around them, the limitations maybe in their finances that they may have, having that broader picture of the society that we live in that's driving us to eat, you know, unhealthily and to not be physically active and things like that. So really, yeah, that mindset shift to that bigger food system picture. Yeah, so important. And I think that ties in really well with like the whole holistic view and like even holistic health. It's not just looking at food, it's looking at so many other things. And yeah, that's really relevant. I like it. Um, and if you could recommend one book for every listener to read, what would it be and why? Yes, I really struggled with this question. Um, so I ended up going for something probably that means a lot to me more so. Um, and that would be Delia's How to Cook. Oh, yeah. um, it's a cookbook, a really simple one, but it just teaches you the basics of even just boiling an egg and all of those really simple things that I think um, as nutritionists or dietitians, having those skills and being able to provide and teach other people them are really critical. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Anything to do with yeah, improving our cooking skills so that we can improve and then we can help others improve, I think is yeah, so beneficial. It sounds like a cool book. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you mentioned a little bit before that you're a perfectionist. What would you say are some of your strategies for um, not letting that get in your way and still doing your best work, but making sure you are executing? Because I know in the past, um, it's been something that sort of stopped me from putting stuff out there. So do you have any advice of how you still do your best work, but still get things done and um, are doing the great things that you do? Yeah, I think um, setting boundaries in place has been really important for me in my work capacity. Yes. So um, I think like taking a lunch break, finishing at a certain time, it can be very hard to do because if I've got a project and something that I want to work on, I'll just keep working until I feel like it's perfect. But just setting those boundaries and time frames just means, okay, I switch off from it, I come back the next day and have had that distance to then 
re-review and continue working on it. Um, but also, I think sometimes perfectionism can really limit your ability to even start something. I feel like it can really give you a bit of a critical mindset that when you're coming up with different ideas and generation that you're just constantly critiquing them before you even get a chance to bring them out of the ground. So one of the things that I've done is collaborative brainstorming with other people and just having that as a safe space to generate ideas that bring you out of that critical mindset and out of your own perfectionism head. Yeah. Share them with people in a safe space and then the encouragement from them can kind of help you to think them through in a bit more and then grow those or having the other person's opinion that, yeah, that probably wasn't the best idea and you can <laughs> shut that down um, can be really helpful. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I suppose it also brings in that accountability side too, because once you've spoken to someone about it and um, they have yeah. confirmed that it's a great idea and if they are encouraging you, that can sort of, yeah, be like an accountability, like, okay, well, I'm actually going to go do this and then they can ask you about it and, yeah, sort of yes. feeds up each other. And actually you reminded me of my mentor. She used to say to me, 80% is good enough, Alicia. <laughs> um, because yeah, otherwise striving for 120 would mean things just didn't get done. Yeah, it just never happens, does it? I like the saying, done is better than perfect. <laughs> yes, that's a great one. Yeah. So you mentioned there how sometimes, like if you don't put boundaries in place, things can go a bit over time. Do you find your role in particular, it would obviously be a very busy one and I'm sure there's lots of pressure on you being in such a big role. Um, do you find you just stick to your hours or do you take home, work home with you? Um, yeah, are you able to keep it to what you're meant to be doing or does, does it end up being more? I wish I could say that I stick to the boundaries and limits. It is one of those things that unfortunately um, it is quite a high pressure role and we are very under-resourced being a non-for-profit. So it does feel like there is a bit of a culture for overtime and, and you know, getting. And there's also that it's not just a, a nine-to-five job. We're wanting to do and impact people's lives. And so there's that drive of, I was a volunteer, I can still volunteer my time amongst um, the work capacity. So yeah. setting the boundaries are important and I do try and do that. It just doesn't always happen, but I think, yeah, I'm trying to do a bit more of that for self care yeah. because I think if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't help others effectively. I 100% agree with that. What would you say are some of the things that you do prioritise and do for yourself so that you can fill up your cup and then help other people too? Yeah, for me, physical activity is so critical to me being able to think straight and be the best person that I can be. I love Pilates and bar Pilates, particularly Piloxing and I enjoy running and going for a walk with my husband. So doing that really helps me. Um, and then connecting with others and reading as well are things that I will do to just give myself some downtime. Yeah, so nice. Um, and when it comes to the food side of things, do you find your role through Oz Harvest has um, sort of inspired you to get creative with your cooking and minimise your at-home food waste and all of those things too? 
so much so yeah i find i'll just find like two or three ingredients in our fridge and i'll just do a little master chef kind of food challenge where i'm like oh i can turn these into something i've got this in the pantry and yeah food waste doesn't really happen at all in our household we actually got chickens recently and i'm finding i'm like chopping a little bit extra off of things just to give to them um whereas usually we would eat it so yeah Oh, that's so good. And how exciting that you got some chickens. I always think that's such a cool thing. (laughs) They're pretty great. I do love them. (laughs) Um, So you mentioned that you like to do like a little MasterChef challenge with what you have in the fridge. That reminded me when you were speaking earlier about the program and how you start with some interactive games. Um, What are some examples of those? And are there any that fellow nutritionists can implement with their clients um, or if they're running any workshops or just to help with that food education side of things? Yeah, sure. We do quite a few different games. I'm just trying to think of the most beneficial ones. We do like a a mock food diary where we get people to look at um, the number of fruits and vegetables that a person is having um, each day and we then get them to do that themselves um, to look at you know are they getting close to meeting their requirements or or not and then we get them to set a goal for how they could increase one extra serve of fruit or one extra serve of vegetable that week. Um, In terms of food waste we do a bit of a fridge audit. So we get people um, to look at a few different ingredients that are commonly wasted and we get them to brainstorm different recipes and ideas they could do with those foods that are very um, nutritious um, and and quite affordable as well. So that's a really good one that I could recommend for people to try at home is have a look in your crisper, see if you've got some like Uh, wilting lettuce or um, if you've got some bananas going brown and do a bit of a mind map and brainstorm of all the different things that you could make with it and then choose one and and try a new recipe with it. Yeah I like it and so important because food waste is such a big issue in Australia and in the world and yeah anything we can do to benefit that and then anything we can help to educate our clients and people we show up to help creates a ripple effect and we can help to decrease the food wastage. Awesome. So this has been so insightful, but before we do wrap up, do you have anything that you want to touch on that we haven't mentioned or any parting words of advice for the listeners? Um, I would say to the listeners um, to find something that you love and something that you're passionate in the nutrition field and make that the basis of what kind of jobs you start looking for and pursuing because yeah if you've got that drive and that inner motivation it's it's so critical to keep you going in your role and to see you succeed in that yeah definitely such a good such good advice to end on and where can the listeners follow along with your journey and learn more about you and what you do yeah, uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way. Otherwise, if people want to know a little bit more about the Nest program, um, they can jump on to the Oz Harvest website and even join the Nest Facebook group. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you might hopefully have some new volunteers. I know it's something I've considered doing and volunteering for Oz Harvest. So, yeah, hopefully when all of this is all this COVID stuff and the lockdown in Melbourne is over, we can get a few more of us involved. That would be great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been so interesting and I really appreciate having you here and having this chat. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. 
I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality. Thank you.